Welcome back to the Peaked Too Early podcast, the podcast all about peaking way too early, much like Southampton did in their match against Manchester United. I'm your host, Blake Munchell, and I'm joined, as always, by Oscar Saywell. Oscar, how are you? I'm good. That was a very smooth introduction. I'm I'm impressed. I'm, I'm trying to get very good at them, so I'll be the intro guy. Yeah, yeah. It was a... Another weekend of highs and lows in the Premier League, which I think all transparency for me this weekend, I didn't watch any of the matches on Saturday, but I did plot myself in front of the television today and watched all three of them. So I'm looking forward to get stucking into it. I am almost in the exact same boat, uh, except this Sunday. Uh, I not only did I regret watching all three of the matches I watched, um, mm. although it was fun to watch Arsenal lose, um, I did only listen to Chelsea Tottenham uh, while mm. I was cleaning up the house. So You mentioned on Friday that you thought you weren't going to be able to watch any of the matches because of some sort of Wi-Fi troubles, but I'm assuming that resolved itself. Yes, Verizon told me that wi-fi would be out until monday or tuesday and then they fixed it within like two or three hours so they came through nice yeah the one time horizons nice. actually come through so how, with that being said i was gonna ask i was gonna ask how was your thanksgiving week because obviously here in the states it was thanksgiving it was nice and quiet Good. uh and that's the most i could ask for no family wow. well my family who lives with me but yeah, but none of the yours? extended kind. It was nice too, actually. Um, we don't make that big of a deal about Thanksgiving. We don't have turkey or anything like that. But we we did a nice meal. I threw a fit about getting cornbread because I love cornbread, and mm-hmm. my parents delivered on that, and I was a, a happy man. Yeah. Yeah. Hot take. Not a cornbread guy. I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. I love cornbread. Don't know why. Maybe it's just because it's so cake like pleases me i suppose yeah it's yeah. uh unfair to call it bread okay yeah. so let's all right let's get let's cracking go. um i will start with uh the record of our predictions um oh no i, I had the ones i had a plus one lead coming into this and i extended my lead <gasps> by no. three. Oh, it's uh, moving to plus four overall i predict the ones that I got right that you got wrong were mm-hmm. Everton, Leeds, Southampton, Manchester United, and Arsenal Wolves. And there were none that you got correct that oh, I no. got wrong. Oh, that's rubbish. Uh, so I'm flying high. Nosebleeds up here. Uh, kind Man. of like Southampton. So um, Yeah. But uh, we'll start this with the Friday... The Friday afternoon kickoff for us in the States, night kickoff Hmm. in actuality. Um, Newcastle taking down Crystal Palace 2-0 in a scoreline that kind of favors Newcastle because this is much more... It probably should have been a draw, um, but it was kind of your typical Newcastle performance where they're doing okay, there's like two usual Newcastles. The Newcastle that puts 11 men behind the ball and just mm. prays that the other team is worse than they are and the team that actually does go for it and 
doesn't feel does not fill you with any confidence and usually gets like turned over um like by Leicester yeah. last season um but this one was they went at Palace uh they had decent possession they were passing around a lot more than they normally do uh they were passing out from the back which is what they tried to do against Southampton and it completely bit them um but uh Palace were not very clinical uh, with their yeah. chances. Uh, there were also some good saves by Carl Darlow. Uh, and then in the 88th minute, uh, Callum Wilson and Joe Linton do a nice little one-two. Uh, Callum Wilson is able to dribble basically to the six-yard box um, and then puts it through Guaita's legs. Uh, and then 90 seconds later, uh, almost the exact opposite occurs except this time with Joe Linton, who was in all fairness man of the match. Um yeah. scoring a pretty ugly deflected goal. But the entire match he was, he was holding up the ball well, passing the ball, pressing, everything really that we expected from him. Um he definitely goal and an assist. Great performance by Big Joe. Fully deserves it. So what was your opinion of this match? Yeah, and he looked shattered. Yeah, so as for Newcastle going into this match, they had fewer shots than any other team in the Premier League. So I thought that Wilson's return from, I don't know what injury it was, but it was some minor injury. It at least offered uh, Newcastle a focal point in attack, right? Um, and you were definitely missing Anasan Maximan's creativity. I think he's out with some sort of muscle strain. But mm, we I could mean, talk about that if you want yeah, to. Sure. I mean, but I think, listen, Wilson and uh, Joanneson definitely dovetailed well. And I, I thought that was relatively impressive. But yeah, let's talk about Anasa Maxwell and then we can talk a little bit more about some of the stats. So I'll start with this was Joanneson's, I think, 47th start Ooh. in the Premier League for Newcastle United. This is the first one where, for the majority of the game, he had a striker partner with him. Uh, every time he's played so far, he's either been the single player up top, or he's been yeah. the number yeah. 10, or he's on the right, or he's on the left. Um, yeah. Which uh, people do talk about. They say, like, his, he's such a strange, unique player. Like, he's not... Mm-hmm blazing fast but he's pretty damn quick and he's not the strongest but he's pretty pretty damn strong and he's not a great dribbler but he's pretty good at dribbling uh he's all these like not great but pretty good that he just creates these matchup problems so when you give him a strike partner who's like super clinical you can have him just try to focus on manipulating the defense and then you have callum wilson doing his thing and you can get this like one and a half striker system to work, yeah. um, which I believe they started out in a a four three three and l- would later move to kind of a four two one four four three one two sort of. It was a strange mm-hmm. the the when you have like players who move around so much like Miguel Almiron, it's really hard to figure out what exactly the formation is. Um, yeah. So, but anyways, the one and a half striker system seems like from a one game sample size seems to be good for Joe Linton. 
Well, and with I that, mean, did, go ahead. With that being said, um, it did see Alan Saint Maximon dropped from the team. Um, oh. Bruce said it's a like a small calf injury, I think. But all the other reports have been that he and Bruce got into a exchange and was then ASM was dropped for this match. Um, I mean, I so, think whatever yeah, I, you want to take from that. Sure. I mean, it's interesting what you say about this sort of one and a half striker system working in a one game sample size, because I think we have to frame this properly. And Palace were frankly awful. They really, really were. I mean, Hodgson said as much in the post-match interview. He said something like, all defeats hurt, but this one hurts, especially because we didn't play well. And, yeah, I thought you know I when, thought Hodgson's I thought his post match interview was very respectable. Um, yeah. He was like he was like we didn't get all the decisions we wanted. We didn't like all these things didn't work for us, but that's not why we lost. We lost because we were the worst team. Um which yeah, shout out Roy Hodgson. So Yeah. But but this is why I haven't particularly loved it when people have been praising Palace a lot this season. And look, I think Roy Hodgson is great, but as I've repeated a lot, you know exactly what you're going to get from him, which is a certain win percentage that we've seen across his whole career, something in the 30s percent, I think it is. And it's going to be a very solid two banks of four, and you can mix and match in that system, but you know, when you're missing a maverick like Wilfred Zaha, suddenly it looks stodgy and it lacks creativity. And when you have misfiring strikers like Benteke and Batshuayi right now, who has struggled for goal-scoring form over the past couple of years, it, they're a very, very average side. Um, and they're an old side too. So, you know, their Premier League future is looking iffy, but that's not what we're talking about, obviously. So I don't want to drag Palace through the mud. But yeah, I mean, look, they... Newcastle did play on the counter, even without the likes of Sam Maximan and um, what's his name? Fraser. Um, you know, they had 42% possession and you had less shots. Um, although, you know, interestingly enough, you had seven shots and all of them came on target, which I, I thought was pretty impressive. Um, yeah, the problem was they just, none of them really yeah. had power. Even yeah, the ones who did score, yeah. they did not have a ton of power on them. But yeah, I mean, as I'm sure listeners can kind of hear, I didn't watch this game particularly closely. I actually was pretty pleased with myself because I tuned in at about 75 minutes and obviously the goals came in the 87th and 88th minutes. So yeah, I don't have too much more to say on this this one. Yeah, um, uh, I'll end it with just by about the 66th minute, the back line of Palace seemed exhausted even more oh, exhausted than yeah. newcastle's no, attackers this, um this is something like I gary cahill and scott dan oof yeah but this is definitely something I, I i wanted to point out going into this podcast i'm really noticing the drop off in quality and fitness levels i suppose uh in the last 15 minutes of matches i mean it's it's seriously noticeable 
I can't remember which one I was watching, possibly the Manchester United match where the, oh no, it was the Chelsea Tottenham match where the ball was just pinging around at the end of that match. No, you know, misplaced passes, players couldn't get it under control. These players are definitely exhausted or, you know, they're just not buoyed by a, the presence of a crowd uh, when they need to be in the final stages of of a game and yeah it, it's definitely definitely takes away from the from the spectacle i think i would like to bring that back up again in a few yeah uh, match few matches after we discuss i think that, so yeah the arsenal match for sure yeah um, okay yeah. do you want to talk okay. really quickly about brighton liverpool Brighton Liverpool, yeah, sure. I thought we were going to do Leeds Everton. Uh, I thought we we're just hitting all of them oh, for yeah, quick. Right. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. So, uh, Brighton Liverpool. Um, I wanted to start this off by uh, Lamptey being s- suspended for this match, which mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting because I was ninety nine percent confident that Lamptey would have his suspension rescinded, um, and. Uh, as good as Phillips has been coming into the Liverpool defense, uh, Nico Williams was not good. Right. Uh, I thought he had an awful match. Um, and most of the discussion around this match will be about VAR and uh, missed penalties. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, which is not something I want to talk about at all. Um, I do want to quickly talk about uh, Diego Shota. Probably being the hottest man in the Premier League. Um, Possibly. Both. He's very good looking. And (laughs) I'm not sure who you could say is in better form. I mean, other than like Harry Kane. Yeah. Um, No, he's been excellent. He's got five and eight and four and four in the Champions League. Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I Um, think it's his goal scoring form that surprised everyone so much because, I mean, you, you. I wouldn't necessarily be as surprised if he was getting these goal contributions, but evenly across goals and assists. But the fact that he's just been clinically putting them away game after game after game is really surprising to me. Yes, I, I think he's a man on fire right now. Sort of like um, a Mohamed Salah-esque. So, yeah. Yeah, and that Liverpool attack is just so filthy. You can put any of those players at any of the four positions and the attack is not going to lose anything. Um, so I just, yeah, an amazing team. Certainly a step up from Divock Origi and Jadon Shakiri. And I think Klopp said either before or after this match that he has plans for Takumi Minamino to be in the squad a lot this season which I'm always pretty interested when managers say that because I'm not sure whether I believe him or not. Um, I don't think that Minamino is finding it easy to adapt to the Premier League. It just the fluidity isn't there. So, I mean, obviously give him time, but yeah, they've got a gem in, in Jota. And then after his 60th minute goal, just to wrap up this, um, Pascal Gross uh, coolly slots a penalty past uh, Alisson straight down the middle in the 93rd minute. Um, which, at, let's, which at least was a fun end to the game. Yep. Give me, don't 
explain your reasoning at all? Just say, was the penalty to Brighton the correct decision? Yeah. Okay, I agree. With that being said, let's move on. Because we could sit here and argue yeah. about what is and what is not a penalty no forever. No point. Okay. All right, Leeds uh, Everton next? Yeah, sure. Leeds Everton. Go ahead. Um, I want to say uh, I'm not sure how many goals uh, Melier has or Melier has uh, conceded this season, mm-hmm. but I am still impressed by him. Uh, oh, for sure. Also, he's 20. He's 20. He's also only like six foot one, I think. Um, no, he's, he's I think six, he, six. He's huge. Are you serious? He's yeah, standing he's... next to uh, Richard Lisson, and he is looks shorter than him. So I think that must have been the angle. Okay, yeah, it must be the angle then. Um, but uh, I've been impressed by him this season, so he yeah, gets a thumbs up for me. Okay, so uh, what I noticed from this match, as usual, Jordan Pickford is so shaky. If you go up oh, against yes, Everton, your, your strategy just kind of has to be pepper the goal, kind of like when you play Man U with De Gea in goal. Yeah. Um, well, eventually, right. like with enough volume, he will make a mistake. Um, there well, was. Hang on, hang on. Let's be fair to Pickford, because I think this was a just a a quintessential Pickford performance because he was an excellent shot stopper in this game, but he continues to make weird decisions. Just like in the first minute when he was beaten by Dominic Calvert Lewin and Godfrey had to clear off the line. Like, let's not take away his shot-stopping performance in this match from, from both keepers. They were both excellent in that regard, I thought. But that's just my two cents. Yes. Okay. So I, I, he does have those amazing stops, but he also does yeah. a lot of like weird, like palming the ball just back into the middle where a ton of attackers are. Oh, yeah, um, I know. It's awful. It's awful. We, I don't know like sometimes he needs to be punching these sometimes they like look like easy catches and he just kind of like swats at it with his hands um i just i'm not sold on pickford um no which yeah that's pretty obvious yeah i i know i rag on him every opportunity i get um there was uh uh, some slight talk about richard leeson and his issues with scoring this season um which in my opinion he's not scoring because kind of everyone else is picking up the scoring um but one inch throughout this entire match a uh theme i saw which is something we've seen from leeds all season long see is this sending wickens running around uh in the back and in this match for some reason like are very impressive um but in my stat. Usually it's going to be 4-3 and 5-4 and ridiculous stuff, but I guess eventually you get you get some sort of stability on the surface. I thought that this was a spectacular game, despite the fact it was only yeah, one. I, I mean, they had 38 shots on one goal. One where you kind of think someone is making the run around the other side, so the defenders freeze and it just lets Rafinha sit there and essentially take a free kick um, yeah. and uh, straight into the corner. I said, uh, "Poor from Godfrey." Um, yeah, because struggled. I know you you freeze because of the runner, but yeah, there are other people to get the runner. Like it's not just Godfrey. Um, 
Yeah. So no. him not closing down Rafinha is on Godfrey. Yeah, he was um, showing his age there. I thought he, he that was that was pretty naive. I think that yes, that, that was Leeds sort of off the ball prowess shining through there. Yep, and it's often said that Jordan Pickford has little Tyrannosaurus Rex arms, and if his arms were just like one inch longer, I think he would have gotten a fingertip to it. Mm-hmm, um, maybe. So, it, but not to take away from the goal. Um, yeah, Rafinha's I, a I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think he's been a great signing. Um, yeah, he's only and... 23. He's young. So... The it did end one nil, but it mm-hmm. absolutely should have ended two nil. Uh, if you saw the ninety third minute, the ninety third minute howler by Helder Costa, mm-hmm. um, has the entire goal to aim at. For some reason, he tries to sneak it in at the near post, and uh, Pickford can just like knock it out for a corner. Um, I thought the really interesting thing, which it is Leeds football, but they have a one nil win or one nil lead with 10 minutes left. And they're still all like sending everyone forward to attack. Um, yeah. It's, it's control chaos. It's, it's pure insanity. This is it's why lovely to watch. Yeah. I thought Jack Harrison could have had a hat trick by halftime. I, he, well, do you, what do you think of him? I love him. I think he's so good. But I, so obviously he doesn't have a future at Manchester city, right? Oh no, no, no. Surely Leeds will sign him. I mean, they'd be crazy not to. I think he's hyper talented. And he's, I was listening to a podcast the other day when he was at, because obviously he came from England to the States when he was a teenager. And he eventually ended up playing for New York City FC. And he, uh, they were saying, he was talking about how when he was a kid, he was hyped up by, who was it? Frank Lampard, David Villa, and possibly Vieira am I getting that right all saying oh no it was Andrea Pirlo I think all saying that he was just like a spectacular player super good in training really great professional and you can see all that hard work translating onto the pitch I love his pace I love how he just drives at at a back line makes superb runs off the ball he's a good finisher too I mean we saw it against Liverpool obviously but I think he's really exciting so he is 24 years old, and he mm-hmm. has played for Liverpool, Manchester United, and Manchester City, um, which is pretty amazing. He's doing quite the tour. Um, plus, he was Gatorade Player of the Year in 2015. What? He, 2002 oh, you, to 2003. You cannot count that, mate. You just simply cannot count that. There's no I way. love it. It's like I, uh, so Mark Noble playing for Arsenal. No, it's, it's you can't count a one-year stint at Liverpool's what under eight team. He's uh, a child. Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still fun you, to talk about. Do you think that he could possibly play for England one day? No. Okay. Think about all the wide players that. Oh yeah, no, I I don't think he England can, really can either. But yeah, all right. Yeah, he was I wonder the number if he's one. Eligible. He was the number one pick in the M- in the MLS draft in 2016. I'm reading. Yeah, I wonder yes. if he's eligible for the states because he would be great for you guys. I agree. But I, I, don't, I doubt it. I doubt it too. He it, spent uh, about only four or five years there, so never mind. Yeah, and he tried to 
New York City FC tried to get him uh, signed as a homegrown player, but mm-hmm. it was rejected by the MLS, which makes me think right. that if he attempted to claim yeah. U.S. citizenship yeah, no, or U.S. where you like rate spent enough yeah. years living in the U.S., um, I don't think they'd allow it. Well, yes, this was a it was a good game. Could honestly, it could have been like six four to Leeds. Um, and it ended up 1-0, which is bizarre, but that's what we expect from Bielsa, is just utter bizarreness. Shall we move on? Yeah, um, I'll do two super quick reviews. Um, Manchester City, Burnley. Uh, oh, yeah. 5-0 to Manchester City. Unfair to Manchester City on the scoreline. Uh, they should have won another 9-0. Nine. Um, yeah. Amazing football. Uh, shout out Riyad Mahrez. Oh, um, Riyad Mahrez, just gorgeous. Such a good footballer. Um, and I actually will say it shouldn't have been 9 nothing. It should have been 9-1. Um, I thought Burnley did a... They had they went at Man City, which is yeah, fine. They had one shot on um, target. but Only one? Yeah. Wow. All right. I'm, uh, I feel like they had more than that, but I guess they didn't end up on target. Um, uh, and then quickly, West Brom won, Sheffield United nil. Um, you say Chris Wilder will not be sacked super early. Mm-hmm, I yeah. say the clock is ticking. Um, it is the worst start to a Premier yeah. League season ever. Ever now? Ooh. Yes. What's in the Derby the, side? That's one bad. point through 10 match days is... Worse than Derby and worse than Cardiff. I really think they'll stick with him just because of the type of club that Sheffield are. You know, he's taken them up through three leagues or whatever. And I mean, I don't know. Like, who, literally, who are they going to hire? What do they have? Oh, okay, stupid. Big Sam. They have to lose uh, sticking with Wilder. But surely he's done enough to to warrant them sticking with him for a while yeah i know it's been awful it's been dreadful but you've got to think that they're just underperforming and that it will come good at some point soon yeah i do agree with you in your stance like don't look at the table until like christmas approaches but we're less than a month away from christmas so yeah yeah and look they need to be beating the likes of west brom so you're right you know speaking of looking at the table that I think is something that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was definitely doing at half time when they were 2-0 down to Southampton. But they came roaring back Manchester United to win 3-2. You texted me at the end of that match. I think you texted me I hate football, yeah. which was hilarious. Um I was yeah. I, it was a it was a fun match though. Um do you want to talk about it for a bit? So I thought Manu didn't actually play that badly in the first half despite ending it 2-1 down. Um, I have in my notes here that Donny van der Beek and Mason Greenwood were rotating pretty nicely, actually. And we'll talk about Greenwood in a little bit because obviously he was replaced by Cavani at halftime. But Greenwood, he was dropping deep and Donny van der Beek was finding space in behind Carl Walker-Peters. Greenwood had this early chance where he put it into the side netting and it sort of they could have been 1-0 up. But Southampton's set-piece prowess definitely shone through in that first half. 
James Ward-Prowse was at it again. He delivered a great corner for Bednarek to head past David De Gea, and then he smashed in another sublime free kick from outside the area um, that actually injured David De Gea. Um, I'm not quite sure what happened. I'm not quite sure where the injury is. But uh, and then for a while clutching his chest area, but then I saw him sort of limping. Anyway, he was replaced by Dean Henderson at halftime, um, which I was thinking, well, this is interesting because, you know, they're two nil down at halftime. This could be a drubbing. It'll be bad for Dean Henderson, who hasn't played that much. But basically what happens is they put on the majestic horseman that is Edinson Gavani with his luscious mane of hair. Um, and he completely changed the game because suddenly I thought there was a focal point that Greenwood just simply didn't offer. So what happens is that Fernandez, he scores from inside the box because Cavani picks it up on the right wing and sort of just slots in this nice little curling cross for him to get on the end of. And then Cavani on the double, um, he throws his head at a deflected I think Fernandez shot to to equalize in the 70th-ish minute, I think. And 74. Then, thank you. And then right at the end, he stoops onto a whipped Rashford cross and nods it right past McCarthy. Cue jubilation from Manchester United. And at half time, you were thinking, genuinely thinking, how long does Ole Gunnar Solskjaer have left? Because he obviously United bar that one Bashak Shahir game have been excellent in the Champions League, but absolutely dreadful in the Premier League. But, my, you know, I was thinking coming into this that I was going to say at half time, I was thinking Solskjaer could actually get the sack. And if they had lost this game, I was thinking, is this it for Solskjaer? But then my mum actually was pointing out, I think that the way that, I think a man you have a game in hand and the way that the points are looking is that if they even if they had lost, if they had won their next game, they still wouldn't be that far off it. So it just goes to show that you really shouldn't be looking at positions in the table too closely right now. But anyway, it was a it was a great comeback for Manchester United. Good victory. And they've done it again. They always seem to pull something out when when it's things are looking bad for Solskjaer. Yes. I do on your point about not looking up the table and not looking down the table and whatnot. Aston Villa have played eight matches and are in fifteen are on fifteen points. If they win their next two matches, they will go top of the table. They're in ninth right now. And they've been poor that is how recently. Yeah. yeah. That is how close this table is. The fact that a team in ninth could jump yeah. to top of the table. It just uh, reaffirms your point. Playing, Don't look. They're playing us tomorrow, so um I'm afraid they're, we'll they're not going to get that win. Anyway, uh-huh. yeah, so I thought that Manchester United, basically what... I'm not sure how much credit we can give to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Tactically, that is. Because I thought that Manu's players basically grew into the game as it progressed. They seemed to figure Southampton out. And I thought that they basically did that by winning the ball higher up the pitch and leaving less space and time for Southampton. I mean, I know it seems pretty simple, and I guess it's difficult to do against a, a Ralph Hasenhutl side, but they were just dropping off and trying to just play too much on the counter um, in the first half and then the big sort of the beginning of the second half, and they eventually figured it out. But I 
sort of came up with three main talking points slash questions that I wanted to discuss with you about Manchester United in a more general sense. So are you ready for those? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, the first one, and I said it myself at halftime, I was thinking, is Oli on the brink here? The first one is, look, even with this victory, do Manchester United stick or twist with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Is it finally now that this inconsistency is just too much to bear and with Pochettino waiting on the wings, get rid, move on? What's What are your immediate thoughts? I mean, so there have been many times this season and last season where I've gone, Ole is not the man for this team. Mm-hmm. Even if he pulls out results, inconsistency at a team like Manchester United does not keep you your job. Uh, eventually, they're going to be sick of your team sitting in right. eighth place. Uh, eventually, the pressure to win the Premier League is going to be too much, and they are going to sack Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. The question is not will they, it is when will they. Um, right. And I I don't know, maybe they give him till the end of the season, but yeah. if it's not a top four... The thing is, last season they weren't a top four team until the return from the COVID break. Yeah, they were um, And they just, they had a phenomenal like dominating form in those 10 or so matches. Yeah. I like without that amazing run, which maybe that run was a fluke because teams were coming back rusty or who knows. And then this season, they don't have that same dominance that they left off on. Is there like, is there something to be said? Like is, I just don't think, as much as I hate Manchester United, they're not, they're too talented of a team to be sitting in eighth. And do no, you have I to think, question, I is think it that's, Ole? I think that's a an, an pretty insightful answer. And I think the key word there is uh, consistency, or as you used, inconsistency. And it's something that they've been craving for the best part of a decade now, basically. And, you know, the, my one worry for. I mean, we don't know whether Pochettino is going to come and take this job, but he's probably, I mean, if Solskjaer gets sacked, he's definitely the favorite to take it. My one worry is that Manchester United at this point seems like, frankly, a poison chalice. And it's like no one can get consistency out of this team. So, okay, so I'm going to bin off that second question just for the sake of time and ask you about... Uh, a lineup decision for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and that is: Do you think that Cavani should start, should begin to start over uh, Mason Greenwood now? Over Mason Greenwood. Hmm. Because obviously well, they're not the same type of player. Let's let's get that straight. Because Greenwood is, he plays off the right, and Cavani, we know he's best down the middle, but. They just looked so much better when Cavani came on. And he was just so much savvier that you're thinking that Greenwood is having a bad time of it this season. And perhaps it's time to give him a, an extended rest 
Yes. So this season, Mason Greenwood, in four appearances, has no goals, no assists, uh, 82% pass accuracy, and a 6.2 rating. Edison Cavani, albeit zero starts but five appearances, has Mm -hmm. three goals, one assist, only 63% pass accuracy, which is interesting, but uh, a 6.95 rating, uh, all according to who scored. Um, Yeah, and he's only the second player to be directly involved in three-plus goals in a Premier League game after coming on as a substitute for Manchester United. So shades of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, right? Yeah, so listen to the number of goals for the Manchester United squad this year. Number one, Bruno Fernandes with seven goals. Number two, Edison Cavani with three. At a certain point in a team struggling for form, you do have to put your best players on Mm -hmm. the pitch. That being said, I don't know why Edison Cavani isn't starting every match. Maybe it's... Ole doesn't want to kick someone out of form like Mason Greenwood, um, but there is a decent chance that Edison Cavani is slightly out of fitness. Um, oh, I'm sure. And yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, he likely is. Had a very extended break and then came in late. So yeah, and he only has played 129 minutes, so a match and two-thirds mm-hmm. and is that enough to yeah. stand up to the rigors of right. the premier league as yeah a that's why i asked right? I, don't it's know. Like, I, I was sort of more asking eventually when he's fitter do you start to pick him over greenwood but i guess that's a bit too hypothetical i will just so, mention yeah. we should mention that he is now probably going to be under investigation by the fa for Racially insensitive Instagram post a um, couple hours after the match. So, not great I did not see that. So, yeah. So, we'll, we can move on. Yes. Um, let's wrap up this rehashing of the weekend's fixtures so far, because obviously we've got two matches tomorrow um, with some Arsenal Wolves. Sound good? Yes. Okay. Um, this match ended 2-1 to Wolves. It was somewhat overshadowed by a very nasty head injury to Raul Jimenez. He clashed with David Luiz when they both went up to claim a ball. Both players were knocked to the floor pretty motionless, and um, Raul Jimenez actually lost consciousness for a pretty long time. Uh, I read reports saying that he regained consciousness on the way to the hospital, but he was on the ground, out, received oxygen. However, you'd have to think that he will be out for an, ex- well, probably for an extended period of time, because I'm assuming that he is going to feel the consequences of that injury. Um, there will definitely be question marks over allowing David Luiz to play on. Uh, he looked pretty worse for wear. Um, he was all bandaged up. You could see blood seeping through the bandage, and he was substituted at halftime, which will only intensify those questions. Yes, but um, yeah. Do you want I to will, talk about that before I 
talk about the game? Yeah, really quickly. Um, I will just say, like, uh, if you're unconscious for longer than 45 seconds um, after taking a blow to the head, that's considered, like, critical. Like, yeah. get to the hospital as soon as you can. Yeah, well, um, that's what they did. A 45-second unconsciousness is, like, go to the hospital, but don't get a speeding ticket on your way there because you're more likely to get fatally injured in the car crash over. Um, right. Basically, any time you get hit in the head, go to the hospital, please. Um, yeah, please. That, that being said, I do think eventually it's kind of like a common sense. Like, everyone knows the answer to this question, but, like, how do we deal with head injuries in soccer? Um, mm-hmm. Because according to the Premier League, they're like, F it. If you can stand, you can play. Um, yeah, it's terrible. Uh, Even I remember the guidelines that the FA have brought in, it still seems inadequate when a player can receive a blow like David Luiz did and play on until the end of the first half. It's not right. Yes. It reminds me of 2018, uh, Fab Share playing for Switzerland. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Got hit in the head, was unconscious, got up, con- was allowed to continue playing, vomited twice on the pitch. Um, pure, pure insanity. That's pure insanity. Exactly. Um, and now you have so many players who long after, well, not even long after they retire, um, once they're in their fifties and sixties, um, they're experiencing the same levels of brain damage that, Mm -hmm. uh, American football players are having, uh, which I, my opinion, like in children's football, especially get heading the ball out of the, out of the game. It's really agreed. There's no need. No sense. But this, everyone who listens to this podcast understands that head injuries are serious. Um, yes. So let's talk about the match. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on from that topic. Maybe we can revisit it uh, another time. But I thought that Wolves benefited from a sort of unprecedented slash very new look 4-2-3-1 that Nuno Espirito Santos rolled out. And I thought, interestingly, Connor Cody looked really comfortable in a back two, which is very good news for England um, because there were some question marks, especially because he just lacks so much pace over whether he can cover enough ground in a back two, but he looked great. Um, For the first goal, we see Adama Traore ridiculously outpace Kieran Tierney, which I say ridiculously because Tierney is rapid as well. Um, And Neto, Traore crosses it in, Dendonka sort of, shanks a shot and then Neto puts it in after a rebound um and then Gabriel equalizes um and I saw the stat prior to that Arsenal went 500 minutes without scoring a goal in open play prior to that um equalizer yeah, which I thought I saw was, that. oh my god and then um Podence Daniel Podence scored a, a slick second goal um, to put the 2-1 up. And then, the, I mean, obviously the game ended uh, like that in the second half. Uh, the Arsenal men piled on the pressure definitely in the second half. Uh, they had the majority of the possession. But frankly, they were awful. They, they really were. And it, was, it all came to a head in the last 15, 20 minutes. And we were talking about this at the beginning of the podcast. The play was so sloppy. They were basically just putting endless crosses in that lacked any creativity, any verve, any 
any directness. It was just sort of just lazily pinging them into the first man every single time. And I thought, I, I'm very concerned about Pierre Aubameyang because he has looked extremely poor this season. And he, it was very bizarre to watch him be so casual in this game. There was this chance that he had to, to equalize in the second half where, I mean, Nelson Semedo didn't get anywhere near him, really. And he just sort of knocked a header softly wide. It was very strange. He didn't attack it properly. Um, but yeah, I mean, the talking points I have written down in my notes here is that Arsenal just looked so disjointed. I mean, who strings together these attacks? Um, there's sort of this gap between playing centrally through the through the centre backs. Obviously, they're missing David Luiz in, in the second half, and he's their main creator at the back. But they 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 can't string the defensive line with the midfield line with the attacking line. There's just no cohesion there. It looks like three banks of players that are utterly disconnected. Um, I think Willock playing deep, it works when teams are more open, which we've seen uh, in in Europe this season. But today, against uh, an incredibly resolute performance by Wolves in the second half, I'm not so sure. I think definitely the honeymoon phase is over for Mikel Arteta. And I think my preseason prediction is looking more and more silly week by week. And I think you're vindicated with your sort of question marks over Arteta's ability to to sort of string together a, an impressive Arsenal side. Yeah. Um, do you think part of the Aubameyang issue is he doesn't have that looming future that he had before he signed his contract? He kind of had this, yeah. you don't know if he's going to stay at Arsenal or like PSG is snooping around and like these top, top teams. Um, do you think part of it is he doesn't feel that pressure to prove himself? Possibly. I mean, I think there's just form is so interesting this season because we, we maybe Aubameyang is the type of player that thrives off the pressure of a crowd. Uh, and I think this is something that we need to bear in mind that these are strange ghost games for these players and some of them won't respond well to that and maybe Aubameyang needs well I don't know maybe that doesn't hold up because obviously in the in the lockdown after the lockdown period in the restart he was excellent wasn't he but you know yeah then I guess it does go back to there were question marks over his future and it was higher stakes because they were deep in competitions and they were chasing top four and etc cetera, etc cetera. um yeah, I don't know what's going on with, with Aubameyang. I think you definitely back him to to come good because he's been an excellent goal scorer for Arsenal. I think he's scored 20-plus goals in the past four seasons. I think that includes Borussia Dortmund as well. Um, I think that he will start to find some form again. And I think that Arsenal... I still think Arsenal will come good but uh they're taking their sweet time with it and i'm getting more and more nervous for them every week mainly because i back them so heavily yeah uh i will say uh he's shooting less and less mm -hmm. uh this season yeah. um so earlier uh last season 
2.6 shots per game. Season before, 2.6. The season before, uh, if I can read the way they have this, uh, 3.6 shots per game. Now he's down to 1.8. So, I don't know. Is he not getting the ball in positions to shoot enough? I mean, he had that that header wide that you talked about today, uh, which to me that's a difficult header to score. But you would argue, like uh, you would back a player like Aubameyang to put that in the back of the net. But the thing is, I think we're not seeing him create as many chances for himself as we did in the previous months. I mean, and that's a big issue as well because previously we it's we we saw such a dangerous Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and you could visibly see that fear in defenders' eyes because he was creating chances out of nothing. It wasn't even like he was being fed. It was just that he was so determined, so direct, so visibly passionate and he was getting goals by himself and I think that's the concerning thing here and that that's why I made that original comment about maybe he's missing the pressure of the crowd because that's what it looks like it, it just he he doesn't look as dynamic he doesn't look as intense and yeah it's i think arsenal fans are gonna start to get worried about that yeah um mikhail arteta uh a man who i was once not allowed to criticize because you would uh just <laughs> slate me every time i slightly criticized him uh yeah so we will see yeah, no, uh, I mean, we, we, we're also seeing all these comments, you know, the social media armies are starting to turn on him now. Uh, we're seeing these sort of, he was an average player and he's only an average manager kind of stuff, which, yeah, I mean, maybe on both sides of the spectrum, it's just too early to say on Arteta, but he's certainly not as performing as well as I thought he would. Anyway. So I do want, I have one thing to say about Arsenal and Aubameyang before we move on. Um, since Aubameyang has moved to Arsenal, these are the positions that Arsenal has finished in. Hmm. Fifth, sixth, fifth, eighth. Yep. Well, this is so, why he was so close to leaving, right? This is why there were question marks over his contract renewal, because that's frankly, for a player of his caliber, it's not very exciting. Yes. I, plus, I think that those last four years speaks miles and miles about what has happened to Arsenal. So, yeah. Hang on, I'm sorry. He's been he's been, he's been there since no. 2018. He yeah he came in January of 2018. Okay. So they finished fifth the season before. Okay. Yep. All right. Let's. We are once again as we always are running pretty lengthy times here yeah. um what it's do we the have only way chelsea to run a podcast chelsea Tottenham yeah. really cannot be bothered to talk about i mean it was nil nil it wasn't i watched some of it um obviously cue the park the bus Mourinho memes which i find incredibly boring and annoying um these teams i think were just genuinely evenly matched um i saw that joe roden uh the signing from swansea city the young center back he started I didn't think he was very good, to be honest with you. Um, he made quite a few errors, including one late on that led to a Giroud one-on-one with Lloris, and the striker failed to 
failed an attempted lob over the Spurs keeper. Um, Spurs performed in a relatively classic Mourinho manner. They were well-organized. They were robust defensively. They were punchy and very fluid on the counter-attack, I have to say, which I think I mentioned last week is sort of like a new look thing for Mourinho. Um, and Chelsea were definitely the more proactive of the sides. They dominated possession. They created openings. Abraham, he had three chances. Mount drew a smart save from Lloris. Um, they had 10 goal attempts to Tottenham's four. They racked up 19 fouls and four yellow cards, which might say something about Lampard's special brand of shithousery um, extending to his team. I guess got to note Mondi's clean sheet record. He's got five clean sheets and six Premier League appearances now. Um, he's conceded once. Um, however, he's only made about 10 saves, I think. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely an improvement on Kepa, but certainly the defense is more resolute uh, now for Chelsea. Which I, I think is from Thiago Silva. Yeah, I think I mean, it, he's definitely. had a great season. So, And um, that is about as much as I can bear talking about two of the teams I hate the most in the Premier League. So do you have anything to say on it? Yeah, I, I um, just, I do want to say, um, uh, is it Jack Rodon? Joe Rodon. Uh, Joe, Joe, um, yes. Uh, with Joe Rodon, I will say, um, I have followed Swansea to keep hold of him, but the fact that he was sold for 11 million, uh, potentially up to 15 in, uh, they thought they had a thirty-five to forty million dollar mm-hmm. center back, um, and they. But they say that's very typical of the Swansea. The second you can make, yeah, and a quick. I bump. definitely don't pay enough attention to the defense when I watch matches, so possibly I was a little bit harsh. But um, I, I was just thinking when he had that shaky start, I was like, oh, Mourinho, like. What's he going to think? Because listen, like Jaffet Tanganga, I know he's been injured, but Jaffet Tanganga, when he played, was excellent, super stable, and he and he made a couple of mistakes, um, you know, it, across the matches he played, similar to those that Joe Rodon Joe Rodon made in in this match, where you're sort of thinking, okay, you need to cut that out of your game, and he was dropped by Mourinho for it. So, you know, whether this performance was good enough to convince Mourinho that he's going to start to play consistently for Tottenham, I think is another question. But clearly he was... Yeah. If Roy Keane said he was good, so... I will warn Joe Rodon, Mourinho is ruthless and he will drop you uh, and not look back no matter how much potential you have. Uh, And with that being said, I'm going to be ruthless and we're going to move on to the next Yeah, sorry. I was rambling there. It's fine. No, no, you're good. I just wanted, I saw the, the transition I could do. I was like, I have to do a ruthless thing. All Professional. right. Professional. Okay. This is, we're going to talk quickly. Oh, actually, um, some quick news items. Uh, I think it would be criminal if we did not talk about the passing of Diego Maradona. Oh, um, my goodness. I was going to mention that in the beginning. Of course. It's a sad and week. Yes. Um, we all know what a player he was. Neither Oscar nor I were alive to watch Too him, young. but yeah, he's you one of the players even before you follow football, you hear him and Pele are yeah, the two best up. players to ever mm-hmm. walk the earth. Yeah. Um I do want to say uh kind of like a 
lesser known story about Maradona um, that kind of connects this in with the Premier League. Uh, it was... Oh, is this the Sheffield one? Uh, let me quickly just pull up his Wikipedia so I don't get any of these dates wrong. Um, so it was, I believe, 2010. And mm. Newcastle United were on the verge of relegation. And mm. uh, Jonas Gutierrez was had asked to leave Newcastle United. Um, and his reasoning was, if Newcastle get relegated, I won't be called up to the Argentina squad. Um, and that's really what I am playing club football is because I want to represent my country. Um, and he voiced this concern to Diego Maradona because he didn't want to leave Newcastle, but if it meant getting an Argentina call up, he would leave. Right. Um, and uh, Diego Maradona famously said, uh, when asked about this by the media, he said, if I could make a team of any players, I would have uh, the goalkeeper, one other player, mm-hmm. Messi, and eight Jonas Gutierrez's. That's amazing. Um, and that is the reason why Jonas Gutierrez stayed at Newcastle despite wow. the relegation. Wow. All the amazing moment, the Spider-Man mask, uh, scoring wow. on the final day to keep Newcastle up uh, against West Ham. None of that would have happened had Diego Maradona not been the manager of the Argentina national team. Wow. So. That's a great story. I'll come at yes, you with one I, too, a lesser known one as well. Um, if you want to hear it. Yes. Diego Maradona, apparently, and um, people thought this was a myth, but there was a article, uh, I think on the athletic possibly that just came out recently confirming that it was true. He almost signed for Sheffield United for, £150,000 or something only um, at the start of his career. But the reason he didn't sign for them was because obviously back then in the late 70s, um, Argentina was under a military dictatorship. And um, essentially what happened, Sheffield United sent two officials over to Argentina. They made, um, they wrapped up a deal with Argentina's juniors um, and they had all the paperwork done, and Maradona was ostensibly a Sheffield United player. He was going to go and play at Bramall Lane. He just had to get on the plane and go to Sheffield. What happened was, um, on the day that they were meant to leave, the two officials were stopped um, at, I think it was their hotel, but possibly at the airport, by a some sort of military police official who said, you guys have to pay me the equivalent of this transfer fee that you've agreed for Diego Maradona in cash. Otherwise, he is not leaving the country. He's not getting on any plane. It's done. It's over. And the two officials, they went away for a bit. They talked about it and they were like, look, we're still getting this incredible player for like 300,000 pounds. Like, this is worth it. Uh, And they were going to do it until um, I think it was one of their superiors was too worried. Obviously, there was a volatile relationship even more so than now between Argentina and England back then and pull the plug and that is why Diego Maradona did not end up pulling on the red and white 
and playing for the Blades. Yeah, amazing, amazing player. There's yep. so many cool, interesting stories. Yeah. Um, like yeah, everything, yeah. like scoring against England, hand of God, um, after the Falklands yeah. War, uh, the his political statements against George Bush in the United States. Mm-hmm. Look into all these stories. Like his Wikipedia what, what page is yeah. a roller coaster of all these amazing things he's done. So rest Precocious. in peace, Diego Maradona. Rest in peace. Yep. Yeah. And with that being said, do you want to get to predictions? Yes, let's whiz through them. Let's whiz through them. Yeah, I like the way we did it last week, where just no thinking, just Matthew. say your score. Uh, with yeah. that being said, quickly, Oscar, Villa Newcastle. Hard to predict because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I will go for a 1-1 draw. Uh, Newcastle is currently experiencing a COVID outbreak, so I'm going either oh. uh, a delay, uh, and they're not going to play this, they'll play it at the end of the season, or... Uh, they're going to play reserve players, and it's going to be a two-nil well, loss. This is insider information that I was not privy to. That uh, not enough time to talk about it quickly. Okay, Burnley Everton. Uh, I think Burnley will fall three-one to Everton. Uh, Burnley have lost four of their last. Or sorry, Everton have lost four of their last five. They're going to lose another one with a one-nil loss to Burnley. Ooh. Okay. City, Fulham. 4-0 City. I'm going 5-0 City. And yeah, double, uh, a repeat of... They tend to do this. That's what they do. That's what they do. Yep. West Ham, Manchester United. I never predict a West Ham win, but we are Manchester United's bogey team. I think we'll win, but I will predict 2-2. Ooh, I'm going to go... Man U 3 2. Uh, oh. The same situation. West Ham goes up 2 0. Okay. Mm-hmm. Leeds, Chelsea. Leeds are impossible to predict, um, but I think this could be a barnstormer. I, mm, I'm so bad at doing quick predictions. I'll go 2 1 Leeds. Chelsea Oof. play midweek, so they might be tied. I'll go 2 2 draw. Uh, West Brom Crystal Palace. I think this. I don't think they'll have Wilfred Zaha actually. So I think maybe West Brom get two wins on the bounce. I'll go one nil again for West Brom. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go a West Brom. Actually, you know, just to be different, I will go one one. Uh, okay. Sheffield United Leicester. I'm going to back Sheffield's first win of the season because I think this is very Brendan Rodgersy to fall to a crap side. So I'll go two. One Sheffield United scrappy victory. I'm going four one Leicester win. Uh, Spurs Arsenal. Uh, the three nil Spurs. I think I think they're just too good for Arsenal. Uh, I'm going to go nil nil. Uh, and just a terrible game. Uh, just because that's Arsenal. Yeah. And uh, Liverpool Wolves. I think Liverpool. Oh, it's at home. Um, I th- I'll go, I'll go, uh, two two draw because I think Wolves are have been historically good. Uh, I'm gonna go three two Liverpool win with a controversial Diego Jota ninety third oh, wow. minute winner. Cool. Uh, and then finally, Brighton Southampton. Uh, I'm so I hate doing predictions. So I'm so bad at them. I will go for a. 2-1 victory to Southampton. 
Uh, I'm gonna go one one. Uh, More sensible predictions from me this time out, but not. Yeah. So I have, I have the four game lead over you. So yeah. I have plenty of room to make these bold predictions. Sad. Really exposed. Okay. Are you ready for? Am. Yep. Are you ready for five questions? Let's do it. Okay. My first question is someone who peaked too early. Mm-hmm. He is a uh he actually started at Arsenal in his youth career, but would later join Manchester United. Uh mm-hmm. his brother still plays for Arsenal and played versus Wolves. Uh, I'm talking about Matty Willock. Yes, Matty Uh, Willock. Can you tell me where he is? I can tell you exactly where he is. He plays for Gillingham. Yes, Yes. he does. Oof. Oof. Yes, he's had a bit of a nomadic career. I think he played in the Netherlands, and he definitely played in Scotland for a while. He actually only left Manchester United in 2019. He yeah yeah. Before that, he he's was just the bouncing around the all alone. Brothers. He's the oldest. Chris Willock. He plays for. Ooh, ooh. I think QPR. In I Portugal think still. QPR. No, yeah. I think he plays for QPR now. Um. Um. Yeah. Let me no, see where Chris is. Quite a trio. Yes, Chris is at QPR. Chris is at QPR. So They're kind yeah. of all across England, all across the the ladder of the English football period yeah, yeah. pyramid. Um. Yeah. I, do you have many opinions on him? Do you think he's going to turn on his Matty Willard or Chris Willard? He's still youngish. Who? Matty. Um, I somewhat doubt that he'll turn his career around to the point of reaching the top, but I'm sure he'll have a. I mean, I hope he'll have a nice career in the in the EFL. So I, I listened to a podcast called. Um, uh, the not not the top twenty podcast, and I know that he's had injury problems while he's been at Gillingham, but he's been praised for his performances when he's played. So hopefully that can you tell me, can you tell me how many times he has played for Gillingham in the league this season? No, overall Both seasons. Yep, I know that he was injured a lot. I'll go below ten. I'll go for seven. Well below 10, well below 7. He has made one appearance in the league for Gillingham. Really? Yep. Unless unless Wikipedia's stats aren't correct. Wow. Um, I feel like he's made more appearances than that. I'm going to look him up. Matthew Willock. Yeah, no, Transfer Mark says this season he's made four appearances for them. And this is this great is podcasting. Well. And yeah. Oh, no, wait, I was right. Wikipedia says uh, seven appearances for Gillingham in the league. So, wow. On the nose. Maybe we're on, we're on two different uh, Wikipedia sites. Wikipedias. Yeah, no, he's, he's, play, he's been playing this, oh. this season. Anyway. Yeah, he has four substitute appearances, only 50 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. Not low rating, sub six rating. Oh well. All right. Um, Terrible podcasting yep. from us yep. there. But that's I'll fine. see if I can salvage that. Yeah. Okay. okay. So 
uh looking at the standings uh mm. you have everton in seventh manchester united in eighth manchester city in 10th and arsenal in 14th right which of these and how many will finish below seventh oh so real does basically city arsenal united and everton everton uh below seventh Mm-hmm. Ah, mm. oh, do I stick with Arsenal? I will say Everton will finish below seventh, and I'm going to back everyone else to finish above seventh. Very Man interesting. City. Man City for sure. Man City's not even a question. I'm going to um, have to clip this bit and just play it at the end look, of the season. Look, look, Arsenal. It we like we just said, Arsenal is still only three points off of seventh. So, I mean, it's not, I mean, I know they've been rubbish, but it's not out of side of the realms of possibility. So, there's a, there's a definitive gap. You know, West Brom are sitting in 17th on six points, and then there's a four point gap to Brighton with 10, and then another three point gap, Palace and Arsenal. So, and then between those positions and fifth place, that's only four points difference. So, all right, clip, and we'll see. Okay. Moving on to my next question. Mm -hmm. um, both Callum Wilson and Harry Kane have seven goals this season. Who will finish the season with more goals? Harry Kane. Unless he gets, unless he gets injured again for a long stretch of time, I don't think Newcastle are good enough to provide Wilson with tons of goals although i have to say i'm enormously impressed that he scored seven in nine i mean i feel like people i didn't know that people aren't talking about that's an incredible goal scoring record for for wilson but look he's injury prone as well uh, we've just seen that he's returned from a hamstring injury for this match that he scored in and there's just no way you can't back kane in this form to score more goals than wilson so that's my final answer if Callum Wilson st stays healthy. Does he score 20 goals this season? <sighs> mm, he's already on seven. That's the impressive thing. No, I think he's running hot Oof. right now. Oof. I think okay. he, he, he can get close, but, but look, let's be sensible about, about it. Not many players in this league get to 20 goals. That's, a, that's an achievement. So no, I don't think he gets that. He don't think he gets 20. I'd love to be because okay. I like him, but. I mean, I hope you're proven wrong as well. Okay, so uh, I do not have this statistic pulled up in front of me, but I believe they are both on one Premier League goal. Who will finish this season with more goals in the Premier League? Mm -hmm. Joe Linton or Seb Haller? Uh, um, no, Seb Haller has two goals in the Premier League, I'm pretty sure. My question still yes. stands. Yes, he does. Um, yeah, no, I think... I think oh, just Joan Anton is a great player, but it just hasn't worked out for him. Um, and he's m more moldable. He's much younger. No, I, I'll, I'll back uh, Sebale because I think that he's more of a proven goal scorer across his career. He's savvier. Um, and we're better than Newcastle, so we'll give him more opportunities to score. Yeah, I, I will also back Seb Heller. Um, I think 
Big Joe is in the wrong system. Yeah, um, well, I mean, so is Sabalet, but I mean, Big Joe is is less of an out and out goal scorer, and Ale, you know, Ale has four goals in three appearances in the cup, two in the Prem. He, uh, yeah, I don't know Joe Linton's cup record off the top of my head, but he has. It must be two goals in the similar cup. to that. Four and th- four and four or four and five. Two two and three. So two and three. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just we're shit yeah, in the cup. It's easier so. in the cup. Obviously, but yeah, no, I think uh, Sebalea will get more. Okay, and then my last question is: uh, Everton have lost four of their last five matches. Mm-hmm. How many do they lose in their next five? And I will list their uh, opponents. Thank you: Burnley, Chelsea, Leicester, Arsenal, and Sheffield United. How many do they win from those uh, solid two? Yeah. I think Sheffield United and Arsenal. Yeah. Yes. Um, did I back them to beat Burnley? I think I did. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're just unpredictable right now. Um, yeah, I have nothing more. I'm, I mean, as we know, I am bad at predictions. So probably don't listen to me, but I'll go two to three. There we go. Do you have anything to say before wrapping up? Um, you know what? Let me think. Um, about football, no. But we would obviously super appreciate it if you rate and review us because we've had a sad week of the other Peak Too Early podcast um, telling their audience to go and give us one-star reviews and flooding us with one-star reviews um, out of spite, which is petty, but we won't dwell on it. So if you are enjoying the podcast, give us a review. Let us know. We appreciate it. Follow us at peak 2 Pod. Email us with your questions, peak 2 at gmail.com. Yeah? Follow Blake on Twitter. Yeah, follow Oscar, Oscar on Twitter. Thank you. At O-S-T-U-H. Fifth week in a row where my strange Twitter handle has gazumped you. It's O H S C U H. That's why you have no you. followers on. Twitter. Oh yeah, I mean, I also just do not like social media, so I don't go seeking them. That's my excuse. But yes, fair enough. Fair enough. This has been yeah. excellent as always. I very much enjoyed it. Thank you, and I'm looking forward yep. to week. Yeah, come on, you irons. You know. Yes. Big game tomorrow. Excited. Okay. All right. And with that being said, take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. I'm standing. <laughs>